been, of what I've been saying to all the kids. How are we doing, folks? So I do apologise. Thank you so much for all coming along today um, to our first ever live panel. Um, we are very excited to be here um, in associate, so, oh, association with Bumble. So this is the thing when things are live. I can't, I can't go back and retake when yeah, I mix up words. Yeah, we the podcast. So I know. Very so often I'd be like, how do I say this word, Cathy? So I do apologise. You're ending all the secrets now. Um, so thank you so much for coming. Uh, we're just going to start. Um, so yeah, enjoy. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Industry Minds, the podcast that discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Kathy Reid. And I'm Scarlett Maltman. And today you join us for our very first live, live podcast. podcast. That wasn't planned. <laughs> <laughs> It's Thursday the 7th of March and we are here in celebration of International Women's Day with Bumble UK. We are so thrilled to be here and share the space with all of you, opening up the discussion on mental health within the arts. On our panel today, we have five incredible women that we would like to introduce to you, all of whom are going to share their experiences and thoughts on mental health, and I'm sure that everyone can relate. So, so, to start off, we have playwright and actress Ailey Lone. Izuka Hoyle. We have singer, songwriter, tutor, and new mum, Shay Martin. We have actress and host of the 98% podcast, Alexa Morden. And last but not least, we have well-being performance and mindset coach, Amy Jessup. So, ladies, we'd just like you to introduce yourselves, and we'll just go down the line, and we'll start with Ailey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm Ailey Lone. Um, I am a Scottish actress and playwright who um, took part in one of the podcasts, season one, with the girls, um, discussing a play that I've written about um, mental health within working class communities and within a football team. So yeah, I'll we'll get into a little bit about that later on. Thanks for having me. <laughs> hey, I'm Izuka. I'm also a Scottish actress. Um, I am 23, um, I have battled with body image since before I can remember and um, that's where my journey with mental health kind of is and also a bit of anxiety and how I've been able to kind of go through my career thus far, my very short career <laughs> um, and deal with that, so yeah. Hi, I'm Shay. I just want you two to know that I'm moving to Scotland after Brexit. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I will be Scottish. I'll be. Uh, I am a singer, a songwriter. I have my own band called Clap and Thunder. Um, I'm also a tutor. I tutor the 11 plus and politics A level. Uh, and yes, I have a six month old baby, Isabella. Um, I should have brought her. There's lots of people who yeah. look after her. She could have just sat back. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've been kind of on this uh, singer songwriter mental health journey for a while, and it's very interesting. So I did a podcast with you guys a few months ago, I think, when Isabella's about three months old, and really loved it. So. I'm back again. <laughs> Hello, 
Oh, my heart's beating. It's the first time I've been in front of a live audience in a very long time. <laughs> um, I'm Alexa Morden. I'm an actor and I'm one half of the 98% podcast, which we started this time last year. Um, we take a comedic, brutally honest look at the actor's life and talk about things you never really hear in the mainstream talked about. We represent the 98% of actors, and yes, this is a stat, that do not earn a London living wage from acting work. Whereas you look at actors and you think you're the only one going through the hard graft we're talking about it whilst being knee deep in it um uh i when i was at drama school several years ago i had ptsd and i didn't feel uh, supported so i'm really um and it's great that we're opening up this discussion one of our first episodes of our podcast last year was about mental health and the response we got was amazing so it's just great that it's growing and that was began my journey of mental health. And right now, I'm currently doing CBT. I finally started therapy, much like Salma. It took t- longer than it should um, to deal with my OCD and anxiety. Hi, uh, my name is Amy Jessup. I um, was a musical theatre performer, uh, trained at Mount View. Um, very quickly got married after a couple of jobs and uh, I'm also a mum so I have two little ones, a seven year old and three year old um, and because of that I had to kind of change my approach to my career um, and because of my kind of rebellious nature I decided to make my own destiny as it were um, so I am also, I'm the director of a, the Wish Upon a Star Theatre Company which is a youth theatre in Colchester in Essex and I'm also a confidence mindset and performance coach um, I deal with private clients, individuals, groups, colleges, um, lots of different people and organisations. Um, and I suppose my kind of journey with mental health is I did a podcast with you guys recently. Um, is probably more on the anxiety spectrum. So I do suffer with um, some bouts of anxiety and stress, um, probably down to my three year old more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you'll have that to come. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> good luck. Um, but uh, through the through the tools that I've learned, uh, be, being a mindset and a performance coach, I now kind of know the triggers. I know what triggers me off, as it were, um, and I know how to deal with that, and I know how to put the tools in place to kind of sort out those episodes. So um, it's interesting, like, to hear you guys, and especially you, you know, like, working with the the... Uh, in, working in the industry but also work, dealing with mental health at the same time um, it's a very big problem and I don't think we've uncovered the half of it really <laughs> within the industry so it's good that we're talking about it Yeah. yeah. Go out for a panel <laughs> so my favourite bit so I always get to start with a game yeah. and those are, listen um, it's a word association game so we're just going to go down the line and keep Keep looping round, okay? So you have to be really, really quick. Yeah? yeah. It's the longest word association game done, so <laughs> so start with Amy. Okay. okay. Prosecco. Sick. Olivia Coleman. Queen. Creativity. <laughs> Love it. Uber pills on a Saturday. Oh, every day. Night. Sleep. Oh my gosh, sorry, I meant to say Uber pills on a Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> International Women's Day! Yeah, today it is. Amy, love. Family. Pancake day. Whenever I want it. Body positivity. Important. Mental health. Important. Thai green curry. With rice again. 
Girls. Ultimate girl band. Don't rinse dog. Mm. <laughs> oh, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Easy Jet. Oh, never. <laughs> right here? Right here? Right here. Right here. <laughs> Anything but the budget. <laughs> no, the baby. <laughs> oh, right. Is it got bravery? Vulnerability. I always save the best one till last, right? Ellie Lone. A cold nipple. <laughs> Get Moffin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Okay, so just starting with Ellie. Um, first question of the night. Why do you think there's such a stigma attached to mental health, especially in the creative arts? Uh, we put ourselves out there um, on such a... A, like a wide scale and we are told to be vulnerable all the time and to talk about who we are and that sort of thing and that's great when we actually think about what what that is it's opening up a part of yourself where you know so much of the time we don't want to reveal our deepest darkest secrets and the fact that we're struggling and there's such a pressure on actors and musicians and you know just creative people in general to be fine all the time mm-hmm. and to be <clears throat> excuse me seen in work and that the only thing that makes you happy is that you're proactive in the industry in some way when there's a whole life out of there of other things that make you really happy other than just being employed. Um, I think it's crucial that it starts at a drama school level, if that's something that you're doing as you're going for training or things like that. Um, I think the education system have a duty to start introducing mental health more into, into schools and things like that. I think that actually goes right back to, to high schools and education. Um, when I went to school, you would have you know, your sex ed classes and all that. I wouldn't sit in a class and ever discuss mental health. You'd get laughed at. Mm-hmm. So it's just sort of like, drama school's great. They have the support there. There needs to be more. Mm-hmm. There's people that go through drama school with severe anxiety and, you know, I think that there's the stress put on you at that, that point anyway. You're still young. You're finding out who you are. I'm 21, I'm still finding out who I am, but yet there's this pressure on, on us to be to be this, this sort of image of ourselves that's perfect and now go out and be an actor and it's like, hi, yes, I'm fine. No, like, mm. happy to admit, this week has been one of the worst weeks that I've had in a very long time with regards to anxiety um, and found myself up to early hours of the morning having a panic attack. But you get up and you get on with it and you sit here today being able to say that. But three years ago I would have sat here and went, I'm fine, yeah, I'm really great, thanks, thanks so much. Like, I'm really not fine and it's alright to be, to be not fine. But you get up and you get on with it. So I think that's what we're doing now and the fact that we're sitting having this conversation about why it's important and how it's important and how we can change it makes so many people listening or so many people here thinking about it that they have that ability to do that. Because you just, yeah, you just... You're not encouraged to enough. So what we're doing right now, and everyone sitting here being a part of that, is really crucial. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you wrote a play, um, which focuses on mental health, um, especially in men. Um, so just talk to us. Why? Why did you create this piece? And what have you learned, especially um, during the whole process? You know, being a female director and playwright of a whole cast, which are all men. Yeah. Um, so I wrote the play for my dad and everything that I do for the play now is for my dad. He suffers with really bad anxiety and has done since he's been about 14, which is where I started suffering with my anxiety as well. Um, 
I sat in a counselling session <clears throat> when I was about 14, and I, yeah, just turning 15, before my 15th birthday, saying that there was nothing wrong with me. And I was like, I don't know why I'm here. And I was really stubborn about why I was there because I just thought, this is an absolute joke, this counselling nonsense. <laughs> to realise I sat 50 minutes into a session in silence with this counsellor who then just went, are you okay? And I went, no, I'm not. <laughs> that was it, floods and fine. And like you beautifully put earlier, those oceans that pour out of your eyes, that's so important and it's so I'm so touched by how you described that earlier. It means a lot. Um, from there, that conversation started with my dad and we developed this relationship that I haven't seen a lot of other people have with their fathers. Usually it's, you know, dads and son, that's one of those, and his mum mum and daughter, but I have it with my dad and he started to open up, you know, to his young daughter about the fact that Ailey, I struggle too and I, I'm not alright either. And he started telling me about how it started and that, you know, he's lost a lot of people in his life and friends and he's been through some, I don't know if you like to swear, and it's okay about it and it's took him to be 50 years old now to be able to talk about it and that really pissed me off so I was like okay um I want to write something for my dad to do with the amazing life that he's had starting football team with all his friends and the social pressure that men are put under especially working class men, like where I'm from, Scotland, you don't talk about your feelings at all, like, especially if you're a man, uh, if you're caught crying as a man, you're absolutely brutalised in front of all your friends, it's very much, you're a being name under the sun that you can probably think of, um, and so I wrote this play, and what I've learned through the process is how alike we are in mindsets as women and men, and I think that's really important. I think we do amazing things to encourage women and give women that platform that we deserve because we don't, we've never, historically we've been stuck and not been able to, to express ourselves or write or, I mean I feel very privileged as a writer, as, as a woman to be like, yeah I can actually publish my stuff and get my stuff out there whereas before historically you couldn't. Um, it's just really important that we encourage young men to talk about it as well because it's really hard watching 50-year-old men who you grew up with struggle to talk about their feelings or talk about how they love their family or talk about watching their friends, losing one of their friends and that's only 20 years later they're able to open up to it. It's really hard hitting. So throughout the story, I want all, all, all backgrounds, all, you know, regardless of being working class or a man or a woman or anything, I just want everybody to sit and watch that play and think, oh fuck yeah, we needed that. We needed to watch these characters go through a pretty horrific journey in order for us to look at ourselves and go, I don't want to end up like that. So I'm going to go and talk to a counsellor or I'm going to phone my dad and people I've not spoke to in a long time. Um, so yeah, as a, fe- as a female, it's great. It's, I, think, I think I had that sort of platform for the men to talk about things that they wouldn't maybe discuss amongst themselves because there's that sort of mob mentality amongst men that we're not going to talk about our feelings. Mm-hmm. If it was coming from a guy's approach, I don't think they would have opened up as much um, as they have done. Uh, one of the, the, the guys, that, so the play's based on the people, so one of the guys had turned around and said, I am, I've never been able to talk about anything like that in my life. And for me, that was, that's just a kick going, you're 50. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, we've got that distance between us and you're sitting telling me about about how you felt when you were you were eighteen. That shouldn't be the case. 
we should be encouraging people to talk about it from the offset. And yeah, it's just really important that that is put on a platform in our industry for the working class to feel represented in that industry, for men with mental health issues to feel represented in our industry. Because um, there's nothing like going to a theatre and watching your own story on stage and people relating to that story and thinking, I'm not alone. So. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Ellie Lowry. Thank you, Ellie. Um, everyone keep an eye out for her play because it's gone through a few different incarnations and we're very excited to see what you do. Hopefully not too long. Yeah. Well, hurry up and bring it back when it's see it. Hopefully not too long. Hopefully not too long. We'll keep you all updated. So, uh, next we're moving on to Izuka Hoyle. So, Izuka, mm. we want to ask you about social media. <laughs> social media can definitely affect mental health because of unrealistic beauty standards that are thrust upon us all every day from a very young age. And how do you think that it affects us as creatives and what can we do to make better use of it? Um, I think that our industry ties pretty much hand in hand with the media. You know, be it on screen or on stage or any form of a press junket or a press event, the media is always going to be used, quite specifically social media. And I think that if you have any form of a profile or a platform in this industry, be it a few hundred followers, a few thousand followers, tens of thousands, God forbid a few million, then you have a responsibility which you need to recognise, which is you are influential whether you like it or not. And you are going to have children and young adults who are going to idolise you, who are going to look at your feed, who are going to watch what you are doing. And how better a place to spread change, which is important, and specifically speaking about mental health. We still live in a world where mental health is viewed as shameful and weak, and it's a stigma which has to go, like it has to go, in order to make the conversation bigger. And I'm not saying that we need to turn our feeds into political battlegrounds. I'm not saying that we need to share our personal stories because mental health is so personal and it's, it's scary to share that. I find it terrifying to talk about that because not everyone will assume that you're maybe going through what you're going through. And that's another thing. I think with, with the stigma of mental health, they think in order for you to claim that title of whatever you're battling, you maybe have to be on the floor or cutting or something really, but it's not, everyone's cool. Some people battle and they have a great face the next day. So by using social media to help spread important change is so great. We also live in a world now where advertisement and, and companies are using social media to make their products, but they've put, they're using human beings who don't look like your average human being, right? I live in a world, I live in a city where it's just so colorful, London is filled with people of every shape, size, colour, sex, gender and ability. I would love to see that. I would love to see that kind of representation. But we don't have that. And I think if we were to share ourselves more, and by that I mean our authentic selves, this time of filtering and editing our pictures. It's okay to filter. I love a cheeky filter. <laughs> but when you're changing the shape of your nose, the colour of your eyes, removing marks from your legs, removing birthmarks, then you're not truly being your authentic self. You are leaving the house that day knowing that you feel lesser than the picture that you posted because you will never live up to that because it's not physically possible. And so I think, I dare you, I dare you to begin to share your authentic selves. And if you're not willing to do that, then don't post the photo because there was a young adult 
or a young child that will be looking at that thinking, fucking hell, I'll never look like that. And that's where it begins, that's where it brews. But joke's on you because you don't look like that. So I think if we start to share what we truly look like and what we truly feel, there will be younger versions going, oh, I didn't know that. That makes me feel really good. That makes me feel really good. So I think we have to start being braver and being more authentic with social media and reclaim it. I think this is just a little side. We did a podcast with Katie who works for Bumble and she said that if she saw um, accounts where the, that kind of content was on that, she would just unfollow it because yeah. she knew it wasn't real and she was like, I don't need that in my life. So you need to follow the people who are being... Yeah. Make you feel good. Yeah. Filter yeah. your feet. Who is it? Chessie King that yeah, like... Chessie King. She's wobbles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's literally just in her underwear and she was like, this is me, this is what I look like. And she'll sit down with like roles we've all got roles and she'll just sit there and she'll be like this is what I look like and she's Mm. you know got crazy amounts Mm. of followers because of that reason yeah Yeah. but it's so necessary especially for younger people to Mm. and us all like we're in our mid-twenties but I still don't like seeing someone with abs (laughs) 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 so so as you said in your intro you are very new to the industry Mm. but you've had quite a lot of success so far um, as a young actress, it's often difficult to speak up and to offer ideas. Do you feel that your opinion is valued by those that you work with? And if yes, how have you made it so? Do you have any tips that you can share with younger people who are starting out mm. in the industry? Jeez, I mean, I am a child <laughs> in every form. I make mistakes, like, left, right and centre, every day of the week. I fail, worryingly amount. Um... But that's cool because that is where you grow. And if you learn from those mistakes, then you grow. Um, but you have to know your worth. You have to know your worth. I, and there's a big difference between arrogance and having confidence in yourself. And that's the line which you need to get. I see a lot of people put themselves down or not try and reach something. People in this industry tend to set goals for themselves and strive towards that and that's really cool but if you're doing that constantly you're on that you're on that path you I see a lot of people forget to experience and appreciate the moment in the jobs that they do then because they're constantly working towards the school and also they set themselves goals and like I'll be good enough to do that or I'm worthy of doing that when I left drama school um, I kind of always had this idea that the first few years of your career and the first few jobs you do are begin to craft that path and everything's reversible you can change your mind but um, I made some pretty big girl decisions earlier on with the help of my agent Um, and my agent's phenomenal and not because he's got a great list he's great books he does Um, David's going to kill me for saying this but David is a phenomenal human being my agent is like my best mate and my dad he nurtures me I feel so safe in his hands and there isn't, if anything happens, if I wake up at four o'clock in the morning and I'm panicking, or if I have a really bad day or something's happening, he's the first person I'm going to call. I think it is imperative that you have an incredibly emotionally understanding relationship with your agent. It's where the money lies. This person is helping craft your career with you. And for me, that's so important. Um, so your voice always has value. You know, speaking from a theatre point of view, if you're in a room creative team, performers, stage management, you're all collectively working towards the same goal, which is to tell a story as truthfully as possible. You're the performer. 
you are the person who's going to make this piece alive. If you do not have the information you need in order to play in that space because you weren't brave enough to ask a question because you're, you thought your voice didn't have value, then your space isn't safe. It isn't safe. You have to learn your worth. You have to know what is... You, we're all adults. We know what respect means. You have your elders, you have your seniors, you have your boss, director, what he says goes, cool, she says goes. But um, you, you, have to, you have to know your worth. And it doesn't matter what age you are, what sex you are, um, because you're ultimately crafting your career. You're self-employed in this business. And also, in terms of tips, um, I truly believe that our job is what we do. It is not who we are. And I see a lot of friends at the moment because I'm still pretty new and people have graduated and some of my friends still haven't worked yet. And it kills me to think that they think lesser of themselves because they've not yet been employed. It's nothing to do with that. This career is about longevity. It's not a race. Never has been, never will be. And you, you have to find things in life that stimulate you as much as this does. Things that are worth living for. People in your life that are good. So I always live with people who aren't in the industry, always. I currently got a job in a diner serving fried chicken. Fucking love it. <laughs> people are dope. It's just so good to surround yourself with stuff that isn't this. This job is heavy. Acting's hard, man. It's personal. We're vulnerable constantly. Give yourself a break. Socialise with people that aren't in this industry. Spend time with your friends. Find your tribe. So find your tribe, have a great relationship with your agent, and know your worth. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for moving on to the lovely Shay. Um, so Shay, self-doubt is something that many creatives struggle with, as we all know. Um, and it can have a massive effect on your mental health. Why do you think that this is like? Why do you think there's such a struggle for creatives regarding that? I think um, I can speak from personal experience. I think we're sort of wired in a certain way. Like when I meet other creatives, there's this sort of like affinity of a little bit like Simon was saying earlier, a little bit crazy, you know. <laughs> um, but we, I know that I just kind of am wired to just have like a lot of self doubt, partly because. Um, I think, you know, I grew up in a household with a Nigerian parent, very, very yeah. driven. Um, and it's like when you have a parent from a third world country, they're mm. like, you have got to achieve, like, just like tunnel vision. <laughs> and they're like, I paid money for your education. You will do this. Blah, blah, blah. <coughs> so um, I've always been, I've kind of had parents who are saying that. So it's almost like you have self-doubt kind of as a byproduct of that because you're constantly trying to get to the level that they, they want. Um, and also creativity you were saying earlier about vulnerability. You put mm. yourself out there. When I'm writing a song and I'm creating something, it's really personal. Mm. And mm. I'm kind of going, if, if people don't like it, it becomes really personal mm. if they don't like it. And it really stings. It's not the same as someone, you know, you get a maths question wrong. Okay, fine, that's, that's the end of it. But if someone doesn't like your song that you poured your heart and soul into, it becomes really awkward mm. and not nice. Mm. Um, so that, that, that's hard. That's hard. And also... We are a bit, you know, it's, as you were saying earlier, it's hard to get that line between arrogance and confidence. Mm, yeah. You know, there's a part of you when people tell you that you're good, you know, you're a good singer or whatever, you know, your ego gets a bit inflated and you're like, yeah, maybe I, maybe I am. And then, <laughs> and, then you, and then you expect certain things to come about as a result of that. And then when they don't 
come about and someone's gone, oh yeah, you're a great singer, you know, where's your record deal, blah, blah. You're like, yeah, why don't I have a record deal? How come I don't have it? And then you're like, and then you, then you start thinking, am I actually as good as they say I am? Am I completely delusional? Am I actually tone deaf? I mean, are they lying to me? Like, what, what is happening? I've gone through that whole thing. It's like, can I actually sing? Or I don't know. Um, so I think it's just like a concoction of quite a few things. But yeah. But yeah, that's, that's how I see it anyway. Yeah, um, so you are recently a new mummy, as we all said, to gorgeous Isabella. Um, so as many people know, if you tuned into our podcast, um, you would know that. Um, you Should are. Be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, as a new parent, there is a lot of focus on new mums in the media and what society thinks that they should do or shouldn't be doing um, with regards to working and looking after their kids. What does society need to do with regards to the rhetoric surrounding women and children and um, how has this new role affected your mental health okay so i had a chat with my husband about this earlier and i have come to the conclusion you know it's been bubbling up for a while i feel like i need to do a big facebook post about this <laughs> because, because the whole rhetoric around women and babies needs to just completely change it is completely and i've, I've really really been shocked that in 2019 in the uk and we're in the fortunate position, my husband and I, where we split the childcare 50-50 because we run our own business. And I am shocked at the lack of fatherly intervention in just loads of stuff. It, the questions that we have been asked, i.e. I went back to full-time tutoring a month afterwards. People, like, nearly fall on the floor. They're like, how could you possibly be working <laughs> after a month? How is this possible? <laughs> You must be Wonder Woman. You must be supernatural. You're like, um, no. You're like, you're, they go, you're so lucky to be able to work from home. No, actually, you know what? I worked fucking hard for seven years to become an indispensable tutor to the point where I could work from home, where people thought the value of my services was so good that they mm. had to bring their children to my house. I'm not lucky. I, I chose to do that. And I, I made choices and I decided that my husband and I would split the childcare 50-50. And that's what we do. But we go to swimming every week. My husband is like the only father there because he's like the only one available in the data. And I just think that, and he said to me today, which I found really poignant, which is actually kind of ties into what you were saying about men's mental health. My husband is definitely, between the two of us, he is, you know, the more emotive one. He will pick up on things. I'm, you know, Nigerian parent. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's where I'm like, hardcore. But Simon is the softer one. He's that, so he found it really, really difficult for the part, for the first sort of three months or four months when I was exclusively breastfeeding. And when Isabella was, you know, hungry and she just wanted to be feed, and he was like, I can't. There are a few times I went out for two or three hours, we timed it, and we were like, right, if you breastfeed her now, I can run out for three hours, and I'll be back in time for the next breastfeed. And there were a few times where she just wouldn't stop screaming. She was like, I want the boob now. <laughs> right now. And my husband was genuinely so <coughs> upset that he could not comfort his own child and could not give her food. And he was like, I don't feel like there's any other men I could talk to about this because I don't feel like that's a conversation that's ever had, that actually it's really hard for me not to be able to feed my own kid. And he said to me today, and it almost like broke my heart, but he said, you know, everyone kind of comes up to me, comes up to you and says, oh, you're so good for, like, keeping your, you know, doing your business and having a kid. But he's like, 
I do 50% of the childcare and I'm also running a business and no one gives a flying banana, like literally, that I do. They're just like, oh, well, you're just a man, that's what you should do. And I was like, you know, I had to reassure him and say, you know what, you are working so hard, you are doing so well. Like this, our daughter, like absolutely adores him. And you can see from the investment and the time that he has spent with his kid that that is paying off. Mm. So I just think, I'm disappointed, basically, in, in the UK. I feel like our Scandinavian partners are better. Mm. Like, you, uh, Sweden and Denmark and Norway, where they have these laws about, you know, if you want patern- if you want a certain amount of maternity leave, if you have to have three months, has to be taken by the guy, otherwise you're not having it. I mean, if I was Prime Minister, that'd be happening tomorrow. But, like, <laughs> that, we're changing it. Um, I think those kind of things are really important because the rhetoric around it is just really not good. But my advice would be that, I am still in the studio two or three times a week. I'm still tutoring after school. Uh, I'm still doing all of these things. I absolutely adore my child, but essentially nothing has really changed because I decided that this is the way we're going to do things. I'm, we're going to do it 50-50. Simon does morning shift. I do the afternoon shift. We switch over sometimes, like, and, and that's how it works. And you can still do your creative stuff. You can still do what you want to do. Don't listen to this absolute claptrap about... You can't do this. You can't do this. Yes, you can. If you want to, if you want to do it, you will, and you'll make it work. And you can still, you know, you can still have amazing relationships with your children. It is, it is possible. Is what I would say. Yeah. And you brought out an al- album and gave birth in the same week, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was already. D- I had that single in the pipeline. Had it, had it. <laughs> but then I used my child as. <laughs> I was like, I put this like newborn baby. I was like, I have a single coming out. Yay! <laughs> so you know, I just, I just did. But you know, you can do it. And people were like, you know, oh, how do you do that? But I was like, well, you know, just use the assets that you get. Shame ourselves. Okay, so now moving on to Alexa. Uh, so you are the founder and co-host of the 98% podcast. Who listens to 98% everyone? Yeah. 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 Do you so, So you talk about the crazy world of being an actor a lot. Um, have you noticed any recurring challenges that actors face that can have a huge um, impact on mental health? Yeah, so um, a lot of conversations we have on our podcast, um, because it's more about the not acting than the acting. There are plenty of podcasts that talk to successful, I'll come to that later, actors. Um, looking back, we're, we're doing it, we're talking about it as we're doing it. So a lot of our conversations come to a natural conclusion that we shouldn't put our self-worth and value as a person on our, our acting jobs, our credits, the things we've done, the people we've met. And that's a lot easier said than done. I, for one, have wanted to be an actor since I was three. Everything I've done has been to work towards this goal. I do feel like it's who I am, not just what I do. I'm working on it, I know. <laughs> um, but So it is hard, but there are a couple day-to-day things we can do that I think can help with our general feeling like shit um thanks to this industry and that's I think the language we use so the classic one is you bump into another actor someone you went to drama school with someone you met on set for one day and you say what are you up to or they ask you what are you up to and you instantly equate that to acting work and you're like 
Oh, well, um, a, a few weeks ago I had an audition and then I was penciled for this commercial and then I really wanted to be seen for this show but my agent didn't get me in, so, you know, that's a bit annoying. And then you say, what about you? What have you been up to? And they're like, oh, yeah, well, I did this show at the Donmar and it's actually been transferred to the West End, which is great. And then next week I've got a table, <laughs> got a table read for this BBC thing. So, yeah, like with Ian McCallan. So, oh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And instantly you just feel terrible. Stop. Stop. <laughs> And you're happy for them, but you also hate them so much. And you, because you're trying to prove to them how much value you are as an actor, you're trying to prove it to yourself. And then when you talk to someone like that and you genuinely are happy for them, you then feel less than. So when someone asks you what you're up to, answer about yourself, like a friend you're meeting for lunch or a podcast you're listening to or something you're watching on Netflix. That sums up my life. Um, <laughs> and then it forces them, if they're genuinely interested, to ask, and what about the acting stuff? And then if you want to say, oh, it's really shit at the moment, I'd rather not answer, um, that's a completely valid yeah. answer. And then... You can ask them, or you don't have to ask them, because we have to remember we're people first and actors second. And every day we're trying to prove ourselves in auditions, on social media. If we're trying to do it to other people, even though we are all in the same boat, it just creates this level of always feeling like you don't have value because you're not working. Another one that I've realised recently is you say, oh, they're doing really well at the moment, oh, they're really successful... And you subconsciously then, and that's obviously about acting work, whether that's an, a friend I'm genuinely proud of or, you know, a, seeing an actor on TV just go on and on and on, oh, they're doing really well. Subconsciously, you're telling yourself, because you're not in constant work, you're not doing well. And 98% of us are not in constant work. So that means 98% of the time we're unhappy and that's not good enough. Mm. So if we change how we view success and what doing well means we can feel better every day. So we think success is being nominated for an Olivier Award for playing the lead in an off-West End thing, and that is. But why isn't success doing eight hours behind a bar, learning lines on the way home, doing a self-tape, and the next day going to see a West End show you've saved for months for? Why isn't that success? Because that's what the majority of us are doing Yet we feel like we're not successful. If we change that in our mind, because I think just getting up every single day and living this life is successful because, and many people move on from it, and I completely understand why, um, but it's, an, it's amazing enough that we're just getting up, up every day and doing what we do to make ends meet. Why isn't that success? And those are the little things that you can change within yourself to view how you put value on yourself and mm. your work. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Good. yeah, very good. Oh, it is um, <coughs> widely acknowledged that one in three people in the performing arts struggle with mental health. Um, I think it's dangerous to say that being a creative gives you mental health problems, but I think it's safe to say that it can worsen them. Can you share your thoughts on this? Yes. Um, so one of our first episodes, our third, our fourth episode, we talked to Anne-Marie Lewis-Thomas, who's the head of the MTA, um, about her mental health charter and things, and we were talking about that there, is that it doesn't necessarily give you mental health problems, but it can 
exemplify if that's the word things you might have underneath I've discovered that having OCD being an actor is not a very good lifestyle when so much is out of your control (laughs) and then I try and control every other part of my life because I have no control over this and we know it's hard and we know it can affect mental health, but there are a couple of things like what I just said, the language we use, that kind of lay dormant and we go through every day. Um, and one of those things is a term I heard recently, which is cognitive exhaustion. That was from my therapist. So as I was saying, finally started therapy. It's great. Everyone should do it. Seriously. Um, and uh, we haven't even got to like the coping mechanisms yet. We're just kind of talking through stuff. And we're talking about being an actor. And actually, luckily, my therapist has lots of friends that are actors, that are successful actors, she says. I was like, okay, great. We'll come to that. <laughs> I'm successful too. Um, uh, yeah and she was saying that being an actor is like exhausting and I said oh well I I physically feel fine but I mean I am tired all the time and she said well yeah cognitively exhausting and then I just had a light bulb moment of like oh my god yes because she was saying how actors we live actors or other people in the creative arts but I'm speaking from an actor point of view we live in a perpetual state of waiting so we're always like this teetering on the edge living in the unknown like how many people when their phone rings are like it's my agent (laughs) or you open your email and you're like oh my god it's I submitted for this thing I hope I'm hearing back so we're always waiting to hear from our agent if you go into writing or something you're waiting to hear feedback or literary agents or producers you're waiting to get the sides through for an audition you're waiting to find a reader for a self-tape then you're waiting for the audition waiting to see if you got it or not if you do get it and it's theatre you're doing the job and you're waiting to see if you're going to get another audition because what if it's the last time I work if I don't get an audition then I'm not going to have anything to go on to after this or when you finish you're waiting to see how long you can last before you go back to your crappy pay the bills job that pays minimum wage If it's TV or film, you're waiting to see if you'll actually get there or if everything will fall through before you get there. Then when you do it, you're waiting to see if you make the final edit or not. Side note, I filmed for a feature film in 2014. I waited three and a half years for it to come out. They asked me to be part of like the marketing, like do these online interviews and stuff as the advertising. I was like, this is great. Like they're using me as like a face. And then I found out it was coming to cinemas worldwide. Like I was going to be in a cinema near you. <laughs> and so I got my friends and we got our tickets and we go to the cinema and we sit down and you see my face. And I'm like, this is it. And then the movie moves on and they've cut all my scenes and I run to the toilet and spend the next two hours lock myself in the cubicle crying like it was mortifying those are the stories we all have as actors and the obvious ones you think of when oh yeah this can affect your mental health but the things that are underlying every day and one of this is cognitive exhaustion is living in this state of waiting and not knowing all the time is exhausting and it never ends I used to think we were safe on weekends but recently I've had (laughs) (laughs) I used to be like Sometimes now I'm doing following the laundry and I'm like, oh my god, did I hear back? From- oh, it's Sunday. It's okay. Like I'm not going to hear from my agent. But recently I've had self tapes come through on Saturday night to do on Sunday. Like anyone else in any line of business, they go on holiday, they turn off their phone and they're on holiday. We pack up our self-tape stuff and check our email every day. Like, if I miss an audition, at least I can self-tape for it. Like, we're in Sri Lanka trying to find, like, a white background to do a self-tape. 
it never ends and it is exhausting. So we have to give ourselves time to just switch off. So whether that's a dance class or a yoga class, I know earlier I'm not a yoga person, um, or the, in January I joined a choir, so something else. And I know London's expensive, so even if just a walk, or watching a movie and turning your phone off, and I find this hard. But you're watching a movie and you're like, oh, I'll just go on Twitter, oh, I'll just send this email off, oh, I'll just check Spotlight. And you're, you're always on, and we have to give ourselves time off so I, you always hear, and it's very valid, do everything every day that makes you feel like an actor, and I get that, but I think we have to do something, even if it's just once a week, that's not going to make you feel like an actor, because otherwise you will push yourself too far, and an hour and a half a week is not enough, but I bet it's more than what we're already mm, doing. Yeah. And even when I'm at my choir on a Monday night, I'm like doing Twitter for the podcast, I'm like, just, just submerge yourself in this one thing for an hour and a half. Because if we stay cognitively exhausted, we are not going to want to see our friends. It's going to affect our friendships, our relationships. You're not going to want to go out. You're going to feel tired all the time. And of course, that in turn then affects your mental health. So we have to switch off and give ourselves that time and not feel like a bad actor because you're not checking spotlight every two hours and understand that we need to switch off as much as we need to switch on, if that makes sense. Yeah. So just try and find something that isn't to do with acting to just and just submerge yourself in it completely, even if it's just an hour and a half, because I was at nannying the other week and I was reading the kid a book and my eyes started going funny and I started going dizzy and I felt drunk and I was like, have I ingested laundry detergent or something? Like, they spiked me. <laughs> and then I was like walking home, like, don't tell the mum that this is how I'm feeling. And then the next day I went to therapy and she said this cognitive exhaustion. And I was like, that was it. Like, I was exhausted. And physically I was fine. I was like, I'm ready. But my brain was just like, nope. And I don't know about anyone else, but I find it hard to sleep. My mind's always whirring. So that's not the time you should be switching off. It should be something else. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thanks, everyone. <laughs> I have the worst what-are-you-up-to story. Mm. <coughs> so our final lady on our panel is Amy Jessup. Oh. So Amy, you trained and worked as a performer in musicals such as um, Mamma Mia and We Will Rock You. And you then had a bit of a career change and when you set up your own business as a well-being, mindset and performance coach. Um, this is a massive life change, especially with the pressures of looking after two young children, which really could have affected your mental health. So why is it important, or why do you think it's important, that you took control of your own career? Uh... So, very early on, I realised that um, I was a very headstrong character, um, that I was a bit of a rebel, um, and in both the jobs that I did, uh, especially one of them, I was quite young, um, and there were lots of kind of um, little things that were happening or things that we were being asked to do that I didn't feel was right or... Like, it's like the, the social injustice in me goes, oh, you know, like an equity dep, you know. Equity <laughs> um, rep, even not dep. Um, and so I felt like I kind of took on this, this 
this role of, you know, I'm going to say when something's not right. And I, f I found out very early on that that didn't really mix with the industry very well. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and then I did my second job and that was, that was completely fine. Um, but like you said, I, got, I, I found my husband and we uh, had our first boy. Well, we've only got one uh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> our first child. And, um, and yeah, things shifted for me. So kind of unlike you, actually, I, I felt like um, I was in the position then when, where I couldn't, I wasn't employable, maybe, especially for musical theatre. Um, who's going to employ a pregnant woman, you know? Mm. Um, and also, I couldn't really ever get out of this annoyance that I had to I had to wait for the phone to ring, I had to wait for someone to give me the opportunity for a job when I knew how talented I was. And like who said, you know, like you, I think it was you that said, you know, I know I'm talented, I've worked bloody hard <laughs> to get here, you know. Um, it's, not a, it's not an issue of luck, it's, it's a, I need to work, I need to pay my mortgage, you know, I need to, I'm now pregnant, so I need to do everything I need to do for my family. Um, and and I've, I found it a real injustice to me that I had to wait for someone to go, you're good enough, I feel like you're good enough to earn your money. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I've really had a problem with that. And, and, and I've always been a bit of a boss. My family would say that I'm really bossy. I'd say that I just have really good leadership skills. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been a leader. And I thought, you know what, sod this. Why do I have to wait? Because now I have a baby in my belly um, and I have to step up and I have to you know, make, make my money. So... I thought, no, I'm not going to wait for someone to give me the opportunity. I want to make my own opportunities. So that's why I started the theatre company that I did, and that's still working really well. Um, and and then the kind of the shift that I had into into the confidence and the mindset coaching was the fact that I've always, and I said this to you guys before. I don't know whether it's nature or nurture, but I I've always been blessed with confidence. Um, I've never had anything that's really knocked my confidence. I don't know whether that's luck. <laughs> Maybe that's just luck. Um, but and it's that it's that fine line between arrogance and confidence. But and I also find like I was listening to what you said so beautifully earlier, and I thought to have a woman who is confident can sometimes be. And I don't know if you felt this because I yeah. feel like we've all kind of got a very similar energy. I feel like. Um, in the past, people have been very kind of standoffish with me because I'm a very confident woman. And, um, and, I, and I thought I have to channel that in some way. So that's kind of what has led me down this path. Um, but it's, it's something that you said actually that made me think, you know what, it's completely true. It's that need for certainty in our lives. It's that need for, um, it's our human need structure which I've spoken to you about, there are like six human needs and we all structure them differently. And, and the way that I will view my, my uh, need structure will be different to yours and different to yours. That's what makes us different. It's what makes us the people that we are. Um, and 80, over 80% 80 of the population, regardless of whether we're actors or whether we're performers or, or we work in a diner, mm. um, <laughs> um, we all value certainty really highly. The certainty of being able to pay my mortgage for the next month. The certainty of being loved. The certainty of, um, you know, making sure that I have a job in three months' time. 
that's really important to us, for most of us. Some of us really get a kick out of the not knowing what's, what's around the corner and, you know, but that's not me. No. <laughs> um, and most of us value certainty. So it's... it's and, and the problem with actors, like you said, there is fuck all, fuck all certainty in our industry. In what we do, there's none. It's like, you know, even if you get a job for 12 months, you sign a contract, as we know, very recently, a lot have, you know, suddenly gone, oh, sorry, we're closing. And you've still got nine months on your contract, you know. So certainty woo, goes completely out the window. And that's when our anxiety kicks in. That's when our stress kicks in. When we don't know what's around the corner. It's like, if I have a seven-year-old and a three-year-old and I have a mortgage, I want to be able to know that I can pay my mortgage. I want to know that money is there so I can put food on the table for them. So, so me kind of branching out into this confidence and mindset coaching is being able to show people that actually with the right tools and the right strategies and like you've all said so so beautifully that we are not the job that we are ourselves and 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 adding value to us um and swapping our expectation for appreciation of what we already have is key and being able to just live a very confident life, whether we are acting, whether we are working in a diner, whether we are, you know, whatever we might be doing to survive, we need to be able to have that confidence within ourselves, um, whether we're male, female, whatever. Uh, did that answer your question? Yeah. So I now can't remember the answer. <laughs> <laughs> did I get there? Yeah, you took control. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's, it, it's, so, it's so, so important. For our, for our mental, our emotional, our physical well-being to sort out our need structure, actually, first. You know, what do we value the most? And, and that's what I love about what I do, is that I can almost take someone and, and say, OK, but what's important to you? <laughs> you know? Like, because I, 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 don't, I, I can't for one minute believe that acting is all that you care about, you know? Oh, sushi and feminism. Sure. <laughs> but, then, but, you know, there's so, mu- there's so much other stuff that makes us who we are. And actually, when we start to, 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 to pull the, the acting thing away and it just becomes something that we'd love and we would love to do, mm. but it's not about us, actually, we realise that there's so much more out there. You know, when I'm on my deathbed, no one's going to stand there and clap me for my amazing performance of Scaramouche. never going to happen but my my children will be there you know my children will be there and they'll thank me for all the holidays I I took them on and you know all the love that I gave them you know and all the songs I sang to them (laughs) at night time you know no one's there to listen to those it's it's those other things that we need to make far more we have to put a far bigger impact on those things Mm -hmm. to create a confident and really beautiful life yeah you know yeah true yeah, amen. <laughs> I'm really dry. <laughs> um, our last question to you, Amy. Mm. Um, so we've included a couple of your exercises in your goodie bags, which you might have already found. Um, so, and on your website, you have many of these resources, including uh, breathing techniques, which we did talk about in our podcast with you. So, how can learning breathing techniques improve your mental health, particularly for those who suffer with anxiety? Okay, so I said to you guys before that breathing is our superpower. And I absolutely, truly believe that. Um, 
the, the amazing thing about us as performers and actors is we kind of have, we already know a little bit more about our breath than, say, the average Joe. So we know that a diaphragmatic breath is going to be, going to be really beneficial for us. Um, and it's going to be our source of power if we're dancing, singing, acting, whatever we're doing. But actually what we don't realise yet, I don't think, is how our breath can impact on our mental and our physical and our emotional well-being and health. Like the, the benefits for proper breath work, the list literally goes on. Like it boosts our immune system, it lowers our blood pressure, it pumps oxygen to our brain, it moves all the lymphatic fluid around our body, which carries all the disease-fighting your blood cells. So it, just that itself is incredible. <laughs> but then if you add on the fact that also me breathing properly can um, enhance my acting work and it can enhance me as a singer and a dancer and all of those things, um, it's absolutely key. And the best thing is it's free <laughs> because we're all born with it. But it's not until we start to study it and we start to really feel it and we feel the benefits that we, we, we you know, realise it. Mm -hmm. So there are loads of exercises um, that are all to do with breath work that are amazing for mental well-being. Um, and it's, for me, it's all about um, the mind and the body connection. So hopefully we all know that whatever we focus our mind on our body will react to. Um, and if we're focusing on, on something really negative or we're focusing on um, you know, that, that, that audition that I went for that I haven't heard back from, we're going to physically feel that. It's going to be in our nervous system. Um, and if we can change the way that we think and we, and we anchor it with our breath and we anchor it into our body and we anchor it into our nervous system, we can completely change the way that our body and our mind work together and we can kind of realign them. And it's all about focus. And it's all about focus with the breath. So can I actually, can I do something quickly? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so can I have everyone set up in their chairs? And can you take a, a really nice deep breath in? And can you close your eyes? And just follow what I'm going to tell you to do. So mentally and visually, I just want you to see this in your mind's eye. So with your eyes closed, taking a nice deep breath, engage that diaphragm, wake up your system. And then I want you to visualise yourself in your kitchen. Put yourself in your kitchen. And then you're going to walk to your fridge. And with your right hand, you're going to open up your fridge, fridge door. And with your left hand, you're going to reach up to the top shelf. And you're going to take down a really ripe, juicy, really brightly coloured yellow lemon. And bring that out of the fridge. And with your right hand, close the door. And then walk over to a chopping board on the side and lay the lemon on the chopping board. And with your right hand, take a knife, which is ever so brilliantly placed down next to the chopping board. And with your right hand, with the knife, with your left hand holding the lemon, you're gonna cut through that lemon. And you're gonna feel the resistance of that blade as it cuts through the skin and the peel and into the flesh. And all the juice starts to pour out. And now I want you to cut that lemon into really chunky wedges. And with your left hand, pick up one of those wedges, put it to your mouth, and I want you to suck all of the lemon juice out of that wedge. Give it a real good suck. Get your teeth in to the flesh, mix it all around in your mouth, give it a real good suck. And then take the lemon wedge out, place it on the chopping board, and open your eyes. Now who in this room, whose mouth filled with saliva? <laughs> <laughs> and there's no lemon in the room. Yeah? So whatever we focus our mind on, 
our body will react to. And it's the same with our mental health. So if we're constantly pumping our brain, filled and, and fueled by negativity and um, self-doubt and low self-esteem and all of this stuff, it's going to be in your nervous system. You're going to physically feel it and you will take it with you. And if we can anchor that with the breath, so if you can feel that feeling, let, let's say, let's change the lemon, let's not make it a lemon, but let's make it love. Or let's make it happiness. And if we can anchor that with the breath, and we can breathe it into our nervous system, imagine what we can take around with us during the day. The love, the happiness, the self-esteem, the positivity. So, breath work for me, being an actor, and being a huge, just a general human being is really important. And also, you know, um, knowing all of those things as an actor, you know, if we, if we can understand our mental health more and how our brain works, if we invest in finding out how our brains work and why we do the things we do and why we react the way we do, and we just find out a bit more about us as a human, imagine the amazing things we can do as an actor because that surely is the most amazing acting lesson that you can take, isn't it? If you can find out why humans do the things that they do and why they react the way they do, and, and you know, if, I, if I'm triggered by a certain situation, how do I react? How do I physically react to that situation? If you can understand that, then you can put it into all your character work. You can put it into all of your acting. So you not only become a kick-ass human being, but you also become an amazing actor at the same time. And that's all because we're understanding our mental health better. Um, what is acting? It's just understanding human nature, right? Understanding human behaviour. So if we can understand ourselves more, if we invest that time and that energy and that money in ourselves, then it's going to have a knock-on effect for our work, for our, our relationships, for absolutely everything in our lives. And, and it all, I guarantee you, it all starts with our breath something we were born with, something that is free. Do it. Breathe. Thank you. just a shameless plug but do tell them to listen to the 98 <laughs> percent um we had no idea what the reaction would be that but the main reaction is oh my god i'm not alone and 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 hearing the things we talk about and know like on a platform not just like to your friend and then publicly something else but that we get scared when we started we got scared talking about the things we talked about because we've never heard it talked about before 
So we have heard that it genuinely just knowing that they're not the only ones going through that really does help. Um, and I think the way, I'm not saying this is how you respond, but as friends I have and, and fam, family also, is how you respond. Like sometimes we don't want to hear, oh, but you never know what might happen next. Well, this probably happened for a reason. Think of the positives. You never know what's around the corner. But, you know, focus on what you learned from this. It's really good that you got an audition in the first place. Um, yes, but just let us for 24 hours, I don't know if you agree, wallow in how shit it is and just be like, you deserve that and whoever gets it is a motherfucker and it should have gone to you. And that sometimes that's enough because otherwise we start to feel guilty for feeling bad. There's In this industry, there's always someone doing better than you and always someone doing worse. So hearing like, oh, well, it took John Hamm till he was... 30 or what, six, Mark Ruffalo had 600 auditions before he got the Hulk or something. Well, yeah, but we could be one of the other, like, 5,000 who didn't get that far. So I just think allow actors to have 24 to 48 hours. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we can focus on the positive, and we know we can because we do it every day, but it's all right to just be like to just really feel that anger with them and not feel like you have to try and give them advice. Yeah, great. Sorry, can I jump in? Yeah. I would say um, that things like social media and things like checking things constantly and, uh, and the way that our mind kind of plays tricks with us and wanders onto things and, you know, I would suggest that they don't, they try their hardest not to do that and that actually I think for me meditation really works um I don't know if um you know they would ever think about meditation but but meditation and like I said changing your expectation of of yourself and of the situation just for appreciation of what you of what you have um because actually when I when I started to do that when I start when I stopped um putting the pressure on myself to constantly achieve all the time and I just appreciated what I had because like you said you know success isn't measured by anything other than what you measure it to and me just being able to get a seven-year-old and a three-year-old out of bed in the morning and to the school gate at nine o'clock in the morning and no one have broken a limb or <laughs> murdered anyone in the process that's success you know so so that that it's finding that appreciation for all of the things that you have anyway. And I think it's, that's literally a mindset shift. It's just shifting the mindset um, from expecting, 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 because we are a generation, are we not, of people that just expect shit to happen like, straight away. Mm-hmm. That actually just not expecting all the time and just appreciating. And actually, I think what I found was think shit just started to happen because I wasn't expecting it to happen. Mm. Any other questions for Anna? <clears throat> okay, well, we have oh. a question for you. Yes, yeah, so we always end our podcast asking, <laughs> and could you walk into a room today oh, no. and say, I'm having a bad mental health day? So we would just like a show of hands if you think you could walk into a room today and say, I'm having a bad mental health day. Do you mean like this room or like generally? Yeah, <laughs> this is what I asked. So, yeah. 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 Any room, yes. Any room. Any room. If it's to your family, to your partner, any room, could you walk into a room and say I'm having a bad mental health day? 
So I would say, switch that around. <laughs> this is great, Scarlett. I am fabulous because... How long do you have? One thing, she. One thing. I'm fabulous because... Um, I pushed a nine pound baby out of my yes. Yes. She is a big one. Really big one. My go to feel good pick me up is uh, pizza. Yes. Um, in the future, I want to. <sighs> See my children grow into confident. Aspirational, beautiful human beings. Oh, I'm sure they Go back to Ailey. Pineapple on a pizza is. Oh. Oh. Absolutely not. <laughs> 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 Thank you! I like it! Should be in Ailey. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry, as if you've got another deep one, it's just yeah. the way it's right. Um, <laughs> mental health to me is. <laughs> Half of me. Yeah. Um, my favourite weekend treat is. Pushing a knife on Not every weekend, God help me. Uh, rhubarb gin and tonic. Yeah. Oh, yes! <laughs> I like to set Netflix up on the toilet. That's why I have a mind when I got that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, parenting is. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> parenting is really tough, but the best fucking job in the world. Mm. Um, Fresh bed sheets are the best. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, simple <laughs> The gym makes me. <laughs> um, feel good and sometimes feel bad. Mm. My first pet was called. <laughs> I have African parents. We don't have pets. <laughs> 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 Excuse for every single 
is you're walking without like cats, birds, they die, rabbits, what the hell is that? You can have a goldfish, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I literally don't have an answer to that question. Fair <laughs> she wants a raccoon. I do. Now I do, yeah. Um, my spirit animal is a... Um... Uh, I always had one of these. <laughs> what is it? Like a hedgehog Probably. Um, um, oh, something that's really determined and ha- works really hard. So probably the opposite of a sloth. What? Yes, I got yeah. those like yeah, big teeth in the middle too. So we'll go with that. Beaver, yeah, hard worker, goal oriented. Yes. Amy, if I could be any fruit or veg, I'd be a pineapple. Yes, because I stand tall and I wear a crown. Yes. <laughs> started this platform um, around six months ago and the response today and having our first ever live panel, Amy Barrett of the back came to us a couple months ago and asked us um, and we were just kind of like, what the fuck? Um, (laughs) And we didn't think anyone would come and the fact that so many people are here today wanting to open up the conversation is so amazing. Um, especially in an industry which is so hard with so many knockbacks. You've heard lots of discussions here tonight. Um, So thank you so much. Let's continue to talk about it. Let's continue to share. Let's continue to reach out, yeah, to a therapist or to each other if we're ever struggling. And let's break the stigma on on mental health. So thank you so much. We have to thank uh, Punchy for providing the drinks um, for this evening. Very and nice. our brilliant uh, videographer, Dom Owen, who I'm not sure where he is, he's over there. Thank you so thank much you for filming this for us. Um, thank you to Made.com for providing the space. Um, to the sensational Amy Barrett at Bumble for helping us put this event together and to her team taking up the back. Thank you. And you all have noticed we have some goodie bags. Um, and we would like to uh, thank the people how, um, who help provide these goodies. Our amazing sponsor, Stephen King, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So, we have to mention support. Without his support, we wouldn't be able to continue the work for the podcast. So thank you so much to Stephen. Um, we have West End Meditation, um, our Industry Minds counsellor, Mary Birch, Trevor Gray, Counselling for Dancers, Boom Cycle, Livia's Kitchen. They're really, really fucking good. If anyone doesn't want them, I'll have them. Um, <laughs> Vita Coco, Another Space, Tea Pegs, Vocal Zone, and Amy Jessup um, for, her, for her leaflets. And there, so thank you and so make much. Make sure you read them properly because a lot of them have coupons and uh, free classes and free class, class credits and little 
discount codes you can put in, so make sure you just look at everything. Um, yeah. So before we finish, we do want to flag some support systems that are around that you can access really easily. Um, we have Raf over here who runs, she didn't know I was going to say her name, who runs Applause <laughs> <laughs> for Thought, which is a fabulous company that um, has just been started up and it offers free uh, workshops that focus on all things creative and mental health. Um, we went to her first event in February, which was amazing, um, at the Other Palace. Um, she's here tonight, as I've just pointed out. Um, so if you want to go and chat to her or slide into her DMs, if you have any questions, <laughs> she is um, at Applause for Thought. At Applause for Thought. On Instagram, so you can ask her. Um, we at Industry Minds also offer um, free Skype and phone counselling sessions. Um, we also offer one-on-one -on -one sessions at a creative-friendly price of uh, £25, and they're held here in London. Uh, so just get in contact with us if you would like to um, access any of those services. Um, you'll see that we have uh, in the goodie bags a therapist such as Counselling for Dancers and Trevor Gray, who actually works with Applause for Thought. Um, and again, you can get a discounted rate with him. Um, lastly, we want to mention uh, the services at the Actress Centre. Uh, they hold a session called Talk every two weeks, which is on a Tuesday from 2.30 to 6.30, and anyone can go in and talk confidentially for free. And every second Tuesday of the month, they have a one-on-one -on -one well-being drop-in from 2.30 till 5. And it's uh, Adam from Equity that does that, and you can go in and get a 30-minute slot. Um, again, completely confidential, and it's all free of charge. So make use of those services, because they are there if you need them. Yeah. And lastly, big thank you all you for actually turning up. Yeah, yeah thank you so much. to finish it I said to Cathy I was like please can we put this in so we do want to say we want to say we are industry minds thank you and good night <laughs>